Hello and welcome to another episode of Is This Still Good? I'm a host, Gavin Murray. With me, as usual, is another host. No, you're all alone this time. I'm leaving. I'm, I'm the sage. ghost of the pod, the, the ghost of the host, Sage <laughs> Sage Builderback, and joined joining the us once again. Hostest? We have a guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? I, my name is Andrew Calloway, and I'm a guest. I'm a podcast guest. <laughs> the guest, Andrew Calloway. Um, and you joined us last time for a um an animated show that was kind of a huge part of my childhood. Um, but the one that you really wanted to talk about, I could tell, you know, it was just written all <laughs> over all over your voice back then, um, is a different property. But before we get to that mysterious property that you definitely don't know about having clicked and listened to this episode. It's not, it's not in the title? No, not in any way, shape, or form. That's right. Uh, We're talking about the good dinosaur today. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andrew, do you want to talk a little bit about growing up and, like, how you may have happened to, uh, upon this property? Oh, well, you know, it was just, uh, it was one of the Nicktoons, man. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Doug and Ren and Stimpy and all those other shows. It was just like one of the ones that was on. But to me, it was like the weirdest one, which I think is why I loved it so much. Well, you can go ahead and mention the, the, the show. The now. name <laughs> is Rocco's Modern Life. Uh, Yeah, and it's it's fascinating, like, even like in an era, this came out two years after Ren and Stimpy, but like the visual style of this show and like just how bizarre it makes this normal world of O-Town feel really left an imprint on my psyche as well. Um, what do you think kind of attracted you to it, even potentially above those other shows? Um, I mean, I think, you know, like Ren and Stimpy has, is a little more of a gross out thing to me, which, you know, mm -hmm. I love, I love the gross out elements as well. And you can tell that Rocco is very influenced by it. The, some of the geometry, some of the like weird cut ends and stuff like that. But, uh, I think with Rocco, you know, there's a kind of like a n nervousness of the characters and a kind of, uh, it, it, it's got a little more heart than uh, yeah. Ren and Stimpy. You know, it's also a little bit more like, like politically charged, I think, you know, there's kind of a, Interesting. Um, you know, there's kind of an, an explicitly anti-capitalist bent that I think I, you know, weirdly uh, connected to um as a child you know just like making fun of like big businesses and stuff like that you know yeah um, conglomo we own you being their yeah. tagline <laughs> it's not subtle stuff <laughs> um but that's what makes it great they got to reach those you know that nickelodeon age uh audience and turn them all into good little socialists it worked on me <laughs> it worked on me um I yes. was watching a neoliberal cartoon network. And it all went out <laughs> well, yeah, we all know that the Rugrats are, you know, voted for Reagan. Wow. <laughs> I don't think the Rugrats could vote. Yeah, this is part of the, you know, all this voting fraud that goes on. All the time. <laughs> Their parents, the Pickles, just wrote in. Uh, Tommy. I forgot about voting. Even fraud, the babies right? are voting. <laughs> um. It's okay Sage. if you're voting for Reagan. 
<laughs> Sage, did you grow up with this program at all? No. And like many things, I assumed that I had uh, I had seen some of it because I didn't grow up with like any one cartoon. I grew up with like an episode of every cartoon because it was always what was on at a friend's house or at uh, at the gym when my parents left me in the cardio room <laughs> or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. But uh, no, I would have uh, remembered a show about a wallaby and his friends in a weird geometric world. <laughs> Yeah, I have to imagine if you were watching this in like a workout room, seeing like the representations of the different fitness fads that like populate this show in such a beautiful manner too. Those tend to really stick with me. That'd be yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of very butt oriented with mm-hmm, like each mm-hmm. cheek moving up and down like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know they can't see. <laughs> see, this is the problem with doing interviews over the visual with the video, because now I want to make gestures at you, but the audience can't hear them. Basically, each cheek is moving us. individually. Yes, yes, they really isolate each uh, each muscular buttock uh, in order to maximize the fitness um, in this world. And that's, yeah. I mean, we'll get into this a little deeper, but like one of my we'll get into things... butts. <laughs> we'll get deep in those butts later, but um... <laughs> for, for real. Uh, but one of my favorite things about this podcast is like how it like handles like trend and, you know, capitalist capitalism and like kind Wait, of one excess. of your, so, sorry, I have to do this quickly. W- one of your favorite things about this podcast as in the podcast that we're recording, I meant, uh, this, this TV show Rocco's modern life. Ah, yes. Thanks for the correction. Um, unfortunately we can't edit that, but you know, it's, it's fine. It'll, it'll live. My, my Say mind. it again. <laughs> Say it again. Technology. Better this time. But just the way that like the show, you know, really shines like a magnifying or like uses a magnifying glass to look at the ridiculousness of different, usually expensive things to try and like better, um, our livelihoods. And even though our hero, our, our main character Rocco is continuously in debt and yes. just trying to get by. And support his dog. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah. Uh, Rocco is a worker. <laughs> and he's also frequently out of work. I'd forgotten about that too. Because I think, Sage, you came over and watched an episode with me. And you were like, oh, so he works in a comic book shop. And I was like, well, some- sometimes. <laughs> sometimes he's a sex phone line operator. Yeah. I mean, I also thought the show took place in Australia, so there's a lot I missed <laughs> by only watching like 10 episodes of the show. Well, he is from Australia, right? I would assume so. He is He a does have an he, accent. He there's an episode from, where he's uh, like Papua New Guinea. Oh, I haven't had a proper breakfast since I came from back home, you know, and it has the whole Wallaby family. And right now, I'm going to encourage everyone to do as many Australian accents as they feel comfortable with during this <laughs> podcast. For all all our Australian listeners, so that they can feel more at home? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, um... Wheel. <laughs> so, Sage, you had not seen this show at all, just to, yeah. just to hammer that home. Yeah, that's right. No, okay. that, that went away from me. And, I, I uh, found out that I could only do like five to ten seconds of Australian before it like takes a hard pivot and turns to like Irish or Southern mm-hmm, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. One time I went Jamaican and I don't want to go down that route. <laughs> My Sean Connery actually often comes out Australian, which is a little surprising. Um, it's all so I, I get what you're saying, you know. Or maybe it was my Kermit the Frog that came out like Sean Connery. Anyway, I'm bad at, <laughs> I'm bad at accents too. I get it. Yeah. 
It's not. Um, good. I'm about six to seven percent better. Is how I'm calling it. Um, but yeah, so I, I grew up with this show as well. Um, I didn't have Nickelodeon for most of my childhood, but I do remember like Rocco and Doug and all that, like Ariel Monsters, like that prime like Nickelodeon thing. And then like after it, somehow I know SpongeBob really took over um, as well and kind of like took up the the crown as Rocco ended right. after four seasons. And well, you know why that was. It's not a coincidence. I was going to get there, but Andrew, why don't you break the news? Well, I'm your guest, so you should let me provide valuable information. So, you know. Please prove your value on this show. That's what this show is about, and that's what Rocco is about. Much (laughs) of the creative team from a show called Certain SpongeBob Square Pants originated, got their start in the animation game on Rocco's Modern Life. That is true. Especially the creator, it was his first job directing, was on Rocco. Yeah, which is really cool. And that's a, another show that this type of uh, show delivery, which continued with SpongeBob, where you have that two 11-minute episodes, basically. Just the amount of content they had to create and the quality like that they're able to maintain over four years of like 22 episodes of that are each really 44 episodes because of the split is just mind-boggling to me when i look back at like this era of cartoons i i I just let that go all right you had your hand up well i just (laughs) i just want to jump in and say i think the 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 two blocks of like 11 minute episodes really allows them to just go absolutely bazonkers right away you know there's no Mm -hmm. build-up and and they don't have time to do that yeah yeah it's just like so zany immediately and like 12 things can happen in an episode you're just like what the fuck it just like goes all over the place like instant and so it's no like like even watching a half an hour show you might have you can see what's going to happen with Rocco the pace is so fast you can never like know what's going to happen and I just love that but Sage I now it's time for you to be hesitant so go ahead (laughs) No, I was I was gonna say uh, I, I I have a little bit of problem with the idea that it maintains quality through every single ten minute. I think the the prevalence of ten minutes really shows that like some some half episodes are significantly better than other half episodes. I'm I'm just arguing that the amount of output that that these creators are doing, the amount of hits they're making is extremely high and that always surprised me spongebob is one of like the longest running shows i can think of and that like the thing that they've surprised me the most with is especially with the release schedule that like i don't know if you guys were watching children's cartoons in like high school and college like i still was but like some in college (laughs) when they're doing like the netflix like bombs or the cartoon network bombs i forget whoever was doing that and they just drop like a fucking season of television over a weekend and I'd watch a lot of it, and a lot of it was good. And that always blew my mind. <laughs> Is that like the original binge model? Um, the release schedule would be like you didn't know when your show was coming back. This was before VOD and like Netflix, before these shows were on Netflix um, or other like Hulu or whatever. Um, especially with Cartoon Network, you're just like, I don't know when the show that I like is going to be back. And then there'd be like a season dropped over a weekend that if you missed it, you missed it. <laughs> Uh, it was really strange. It was a very odd time. All that to say is it just feels like a mass of television that you're chewing through, and so much of it is tasty and delicious. 
<laughs> Explain it uh, to me in terms of food. That aside, now that we're talking, we're talking, let's go back to what the aesthetics of this show were and kind of like what maybe first got you into it. As a child, one of the things that I loved was the wallpaper. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean it sounds just... like a throwaway, but it's beautiful. No, the wallpaper in this show is so good. And all the backgrounds, all the, like, abstract backgrounds. Yeah. And just the, the, the like, also, like, just the textures of things, like, the, like, go inside someone's mouth, you know, mm -hmm. and just have, like, little, like, germs that are, like, people, like, mucking about inside your mouth or, like, fleas on the dog, like, living out their yeah. whole lives. And they'll have, like, the, yeah, this is, like, really, like, gross, beautiful textures. Um, well, and that's interesting, too, in, like... Uh, again to like give props to ren and stimpy which did the gross the gross ups as they called them like these disgusting close-ups that they would like inhabit there was usually coupled with a shriek and they would last like for two seconds and then you'd be back out into the modern world what kind of rocco did often was it would explore these kind of mini worlds within the world that it's inhabiting so like the episodes where they go into the into the dog's fur and you watch right. like fleas live out their lives. Yes. <laughs> and they're going, you know, like, or they're going camping. Um, and maybe there's flea bomb coming and it's, you know, it's painted as the end times. And you spend some time with those creatures and watch them, you know, in mortal coil. It, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and it really feels to me like a very much an underground comics aesthetic, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like just weirdo stoner shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It's very like '90s, like edgy punk shit in like its own way. Uh, that that's kind of a, a thing that like when I was rewatching it, I've developed a strong affinity for uh, college shorts that animators make before they become big. And you can go back and like, or Cartoon Network was doing like a thing called Cartoon Institute where they'd fund pilots. That that's like... a good ass word. <laughs> Cartoon Institutes. Yeah. Cartoon Institute. Um, and Nickelodeon would do this too, or like, um, Adult Swim does it like a bunch. Like there's, some of my favorites were, uh, oh, shit, my brain's misfiring, but like, um, Korgoth of Barbaria is a great, like, uh, kind of Samurai, Samurai Jack style, but like, you know, more into the PG-13 vibe of like barbarians murdering people, uh, very gross up humor. And like, there's other shows like two in the AMPM, which became, um, regular show, which I think owes a lot to to this to um, to Rocco's Modern Life because Definitely. it's again these college people like their lives are kind of simple, but they're it's it's like they're kind of trying to take this struggle and show like how hard just existing, <laughs> especially when you're in college and an artist. Um, Can I, so I want to jump in here and say that yes, the you know they explicitly stated that they're like the creator joe murray had no interest the creator of rocco had no interest in making a show for children you know he was like yeah nick was like no we're trying to attract college age students and stuff like that oh, and you can you can tell because like the way that he sort of that rocco is like a filthy piece of shit like his life <laughs> his life and apartment is constantly disgusting he's con he's constantly like just like forgetting about like a mound of trash that's like gonna like mm -hmm. destroy his apartment and the world potentially um he's clearly never been to australia <laughs> Um, and that's just like so the the like I can imagine because when I came to it I was much much younger you know I yeah. was like probably like f like 
six to ten watching this um you know and so i didn't understand a lot of the references but if i was a college freshman 31 (laughs) yeah no it's definitely made and like you know it's it's trying to be empathetic and it's not it's trying to be relatable in a very specific way but also in kind of like i don't know how to better describe it like when when you think of like uh sketch comedy of the time there's kind of that outsider kind of like the state isn't supposed to be for everyone and this show almost sometimes especially when you're talking about the um the big heads um cycle of it where you know they're they're talking about how this is supposed to be an outsider show and the success that it receives is kind of mysterious to everyone um if that makes sense yeah totally totally so yeah when i was when i was six like part of it was just the visual styles the way that like this world has no straight lines the geo like not geography but the architecture of the world everything is curved even in 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 the reboot that we watched like it's almost done to like an even just all the lenses are wide and distorting and it's not even just in like the gross-ups like in ren and simpy but just the world itself is distorted and kind of terrifying and as Rocco is letting things slide that are this close to destroying everything all the time which is kind of that regular show taking it to the mystical level yes this show tried to put it kind of in not uh, I want to call it real because like to me this show feels very grounded for how ridiculous it is and that's kind of the balance that it keeps it keeps doing it's a show it's a show about like I don't have any money on hand. I need to buy dog food. I'm getting my first credit card. And now I'm trying to understand the trappings of credit as my friends who are my age, who also don't Yo. understand how credit works. Yo, are that's encouraging me shit. to like get the, get the upgraded, you know, dog dish. Yes. Or, or like, Oh, my toilet's stuffed and I'm getting like, I need to get someone to come help me like get a plumber wow, plumbers are really expensive. Maybe I can figure this out myself. And you wind up flushing your entire neighborhood down the toilet. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> relatable. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it, but it's like this really kind of grounded, relatable struggle for to just exist, which I'm still finding myself in, in my thirties. <laughs> Dear God, I do not have my shit together as much as I may try. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I want to I wanna go back for a second to yeah. this idea of you said that the sh- it had a lot of empathy. And I think I've been thinking a little bit about what is the difference between Ren and Stimpy and Rocco that I think made me like Rocco more. And I think Rocco is, is less cynical and mm-hmm. it ha- and does yeah. have more empathy like even these characters who are like gross out buffoon characters like can have their come to jesus moments you know um and that's one of the things that like yeah as is most powerfully felt to me and the netflix revival film static cling um which i think is like which i which i think you know like some of the like you know emotional resolution stuff in there i think is like kind of lightweight powerful um Mm -hmm, question mm -hmm. mark but um (laughs) but like the show is willing to be sincere yeah in a way that i don't see ren and stimpy doing as much although i do think happy happy joy joy is like a very profound empathetic thing um i just think on the whole that empathy is what you know makes the, uh, the difference to me 
Yeah, this this show's definitely it's it has empathy at its core and sincerity and like hopefulness kind of in a certain respect. Like thankfully our our characters don't really meet their ends and even when the you know you flush the entire neighborhood down the drain at the end of an episode, it's back in the next 11 minute episode. Um you know, everything is is okay. It's just that life is difficult. Now, I didn't catch it, but did the town flush the other the opposite direction? In the show, so there there is uh, it, the movie at least seems to put O Town closer to Michigan. Finally, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it seems to be Northern Hemisphere. I will okay. say, uh, he, he yeah, he's an it's an immigrant story, really. Yeah, it finally gets so so Andrew. What it what had happened was I'd watched like two or three episodes, and the lead character has an Australian accent, and, and it, it took wallaby. me far too long to realize that that most people did not have the Australian accent. And it was more likely that he was not in his homeland than that everyone else was just, he just worked at the American embassy or something. <laughs> oh, I like that. And I like the idea of imagining that like Philbert is Australian. <laughs> <laughs> Let's actually take a quick second and introduce some of the main characters and like set pieces. So obviously Rocco, it's his modern life that we're, we're exploring. Rocco is a wallaby. Oh, yeah. uh, he he lives alone uh, aside from his dog Spunky, who has an affinity for mops. He uh, is literally this show predicted the future because it's a fucking millennial who's like, I don't have a spouse, I don't have a child, I just have a pet, and like I spends and all I, his money on avocado toast. <laughs> I mean, Rocco has a house apparently, so that's right. bullshit. But. It's hard to tell if he's renting or, or owns it, though, you know. Um, his best friends are Filbert, um, a turtle, who is a closet lounge singer and very nervous person who walks through life being mostly nauseous all the time. He's very much like a Woody Allen type, but far less problematic. Yeah. He, he's also very... Most of the characters in this show are very sweet-natured and mean well, even if they sometimes cause each other harm it's never it's it's like you said a very uh kind of sincere and hopeful show there's a core of right. sweetness that yeah yeah but Rocco's two best friends are Filbert and Heifer Heifer and Heifer's fantastic he's voiced by the same guy who voices Spongebob yep which and I Heifer's did not know like... until this viewing and was like what you sound familiar well do you guys I feel like I've seen you in square pants before <laughs> yeah, a lot of the as as is the case with most animation, a lot of the voices are recognizable, but you always have to look up where they're from because mm -hmm. they're animated voice actors. Do you know who the uh, actor who does Rocco, what he, else he's famous for? Please tell me. He's the Taco Bell Chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, there's wow. a lot of things I'd have to. I did not know that. Up, but. Uh... Yeah, I knew he was in Reno Nine One One, but I did not know that he was the Taco Bell Chihuahua. He's Who's canceled. He in Reno 911? He's one of the one of the cops. Oh, okay. Did I don't think one of canceled? the like main main ones. No, but I guess because his his name is Carlos, so I guess he gets to be a Mexican character. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I don't know how well, that all works, you know, because he also is doing Australian things. I don't know where the cultural appropriation, you know, it was the 90s. Right. And it was a cartoon, which we're still figuring that one out, too, uh, as evidenced in um, 
Central Park's recent recasting. Right. Uh, I but, still so think Bojack you... Horseman could have had a beautiful plot line where they Diane was cast by a white actress, like in the world of the show, you know. Uh-huh. And then they could have, they could have, but they never, they never even did a meta joke about it. Very disappointing. Did they not when they did the peanut butter movie, Mister Peanut Butter? I, I don't actually recall. Yeah, I don't think so. Well. Real quick, back to people being confused with identity. Um, Sorry, I got lost on IMDb. I'm back. <laughs> Heifer, uh, Heifer, his last name is Wolf, I believe. Yes. Uh, and Heifer is raised by wolves and does not know that he is, in fact, a cow. A steer. A steer. My bad. Didn't mean to misgender him. Misspecies <laughs> <laughs> uh, him. Outside of that, we've got uh-huh. the, the Ed and his wife, Big Head who are Rocco's neighbors. They are toads. Uh, They have one child named Ralph, who is a recurring character, who uh, does the meta show that we were talking about, the Fatheads. Um, And outside of that, Ed works at a company called Conglomo that is also like owns most of O-Town. I think it accounts for, I think they say like 80% of the money moving around O-Town goes through Conglomo. God, that's clever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, we own you. We own you, and that and that's that's most of the world. Like that's that's enough to. And like basically everybody at Conglomo is a lizard who like they all look exactly the same and talk exactly the same, and they all pick their noses all day long. Um, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, you've talked about gross-ups enough that this is probably a good time to mention that I'm glad of the restraint compared to Ren and Stimpy. If I had mm-hmm. seen the show as a kid or even in college, I think the, the abundance of spittle would have really worked for me. As a grown-ass man, I do not care for it. <laughs> well, what do you think, Sage, about um, gazing into really, really big man's nipples of the future? And how his nipples will like come out of his body and like suck somebody's eyes? Yeah, that doesn't. I don't. I don't care for it. And I like a lot of really, really big man. I think that is a very clever send up. Gavin, did you describe really, really big man as a side character? I, I did not. Um, but he also, in terms of the comparisons to to Red and Stimpy, he he does bear a lot of similarities to to Cinnamon Toast Man, or was that the right name? Powdered Toast Man. I am Powdered Toast Man. Yeah, but does he have nipples of the future in I which to gaze? Does. Yeah, I don't think so. Backwards, right? But yeah, no, they—it's the same voice, probably. <laughs> <laughs> There's a beautiful abundance of really, really big superheroes in weird '90s alt comedy, um, which you know, I really just—that's a wave that I wish we were back on. But yes, really, really big man. Yeah. And <laughs> no, no superheroes in alternate comedies right now. Is that what you're saying? Nothing. That's in what big, I'm big saying. Mouth. I just nothing wish that you know. Nothing in... If only people would bet money on superheroes again. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, really big man's nipples of the future. His uh, chest hair that also lets see see the past. I think there's one episode <laughs> that that I was I was rewatching that is basically. Not a Christmas story. What's that that Christmas thing with uh, Scrooge? And instead a of Christmas like the Carol. ghosts, yes, yeah, a Christmas Carol. But instead of the ghosts of like Christmas past uh, taking you through, you know, your Christmases of the past, you go into his chest hair to explore 
the history of your friendship with your close friends as you're drifting apart. That's all that I want <laughs> in real life to go into really, really big man's chest hair of the past. <laughs> the end. Um, yeah. I just like it, that his day job is as mild-mannered Lois Lane. <laughs> I don't think anything <laughs> in the show cackle as much as that. <laughs> it, it rules. Although that does make me think about one of the things that I read on a website called Wikipedia. Oh. Is this um, like Genius.com? <laughs> <laughs> and on Wikipedia, I read that one of the uh, producers from the Nickelodeon side of things was like confronted the basically asked them, like, why are all the women like these stereotypical, uh, you know, built women like all of your women look like you know marilyn monroe type characters and they were just like ah it's like easier to draw women that way and that and she was like yes they were very talented but they were a boys club you know and i can kind of see see that energy as far as like i mean i think the show does have some some good female characters like i i love um mrs big head of course, mm-hmm. and there's a great episode where she uh, takes over um, Conglomo. She takes over yeah. her husband's job, and she does far better than he ever did. Of course. Um, and so there's, there's, <laughs> it's, it's not like a, a misogynist show, but yeah, a lot, a lot of the fe- female characters are like two dimensional. Well, while they're very, very three dimensional in some ways, um, they're like you know not like as fully developed as the male characters. I mean, it is literally like. Like three friends, three like dude friends, are the f- main focus. Yeah, Rocco will have passing fancies. I think, if I remember correctly, that usually don't work out. Uh, Filbert is married sometimes in the show. What? And he's he's dating. Yeah, he's married to a cat. the doctor. Yeah, the doctor. She's a vet. Sometimes, sometimes she's a surgeon or a dentist <laughs> uh, or a dentist, and she has a claw for one of her hands. Um, she's really fun. She's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, I love her. Yeah, she's so positive and confident—the exact opposite of Philbert, of course. Mm-hmm. Like she definitely opposite smacks him around in the bedroom. But you know, he'd be into. <laughs> you that can cut that out. Gotta... Cut, cut that joke out. <laughs> Absolutely inappropriate. not. <laughs> it's inappropriate. Inappropriate. It's okay. He's got a thick skin. Do you think this is a family show? <laughs> um, Rocco is a, well. Rocco's not really a family show. Turtle Joe. but. Um, yeah, the, the, when I think of women in the show, I usually think of, I believe she's a hippo who's a recurring character who Rocco is continuously thrown into either her butt or chest, uh, on accident. She screams out, how dare you? And then yes. halfway across the planet. <laughs> yes. Not my favorite recurring gang. <laughs> I I still think it's good, but yes, it's I can see how it's a little problematic. Yeah. But also it's just like she's a badass and like sorry Rocco, like shouldn't have been in that buttocks. No, and it, it's, it's never... the repetition this like <laughs> But it's the, always an world. accident. So. It it yeah. is like it's never yeah, his it, fault. He's not getting punished for being a perv. It's always a wacky mishap. Right. Well, the show's full of wacky mishaps. This is Another alternate title that I'm say. sure they tried out. <laughs> um, I heard I heard the working title, like the pilot episode, they called it The Rocco Show. Which just to think of how much shittier that is. 
That sounds um, very even bad. more nineties though. No, Rocco's Modern Life is like the perfect show, and it kind of it, the perfect title, and it kind of like doesn't make sense why it's mm-hmm. his modern life specifically. Um, I don't know. I think I guess it touches on like things like credit card debt and stuff that mm-hmm. were like you know, and it's always like get your vacuum three thousand and like shit like that. Yeah. So it it doesn't feel modern watching it now, except for of course until you get to the Netflix special. Well, I, well I, and... I can definitely understand the modern aspect of it, especially like for audience context. I've watched far fewer episodes than than these people because they grew up on it, and I was told to watch like six, end up watching ten. Uh, so I'm learning as much as you are, audience. <laughs> but I did see some pretty good industry send ups. There's an episode that involves Rocco going to a gym, joining a gym, mm-hmm. and it is every. Every Rocco's Modern Life episode for me is a minute of figuring out, oh, okay, this is what this episode is going to be about. And then I judge it based on, does it exceed my expectations? Because I know when he goes to a gym, there is going to be some outlandish device that ends up working three times at a time and ends up him doing three exercises at a time. And uh, probably something's going to happen to his eyeballs during that exercise. I did actually call <laughs> that one. And, uh, you know, it's the 90s, so I figured there's going to be some Richard Simmons sweat lodge. Like, these are the predictable jokes. Uh, what I did not see coming was the uh, VR raft, ex- the rowing experience in virtual reality, uh, where one of the options that you don't even get a choice on is the deliverance experience. Oh! <laughs> That's not oh, a I joke missed... that I thought up in the five minutes before it happened, so it's a good Wait, episode. explain how this plays out to me, because I did not watch this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as he's exploring the gym, there is... So I've never seen this with a rowing machine, but you know how a lot of the uh, running and cycling will have video assists uh, where you are cycling through an environment uh, even though you're static. So this is that for rowing, and I forget what the other options are. There's a jungle option. There's, Mm. you know, just rowing through different environments. Using river. Yeah, Yeah. and the, the third was just deliverance. And it selects that for him without him actually selecting it. Well, he he misses. He just presses the button at the wrong time. Oh, okay. And so he chooses it. Some it's sort of accident. wacky mishap, you'd say? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay, and the they, they don't let that, that play him. out. They don't. Oh, like, no, they you do. No, oh. you, you, get the, you get the experience where he starts rowing. You don't get like... the full deliverance experience. <laughs> Does he say, is there a squeal like a pig? Her... There, there is one of them. One of the uh, the the rednecks sitting on like the cliff edge, holding a holding a shotgun, picks up a pig, and he's like, "I'm gonna make you a squeal, piggy." And then he tickles the piggy, tickles and the piggy better. squeals. That is <laughs> just like fucking wild. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, pretty, pretty, you know. Again, like I, I hate, I hate the word edgy. I really do, but like that was what you describe this type of comedy i feel like back then it's trying to be edgy that i know it's also a dad joke know though. the reference otherwise it is just innocent and wholesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay i'll give you that yeah but well whoa, whoa, though uh, but if you know the reference i mean yeah and anybody who would be scarred by the reference shouldn't know the reference you know <laughs> yeah, so it does exactly. seem like it's not like it's not like hey kids you know Think about rape, you know. Yeah. Hey, kids, think about sure. John Voight. It is technically a rape joke, but although that it, was that was in a very indirect way. T- possible title for the show. 
Hey, kids, think about rape. Uh, anyway, we can move on. <laughs> you uh, see, you got to cut that. Cut that one. I'll do it. Uh, I'll do very it for free. We can't afford an editor. I'm, I'm cut. No, I'll you. I'll edit this one. I'm gonna add my own sound effects. I'm gonna come in and like retract things. You know, soft music is gonna play when Gavin tells his emotional personal story about this <laughs> about this television program. Are we teasing an emotional experience? Do, 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 do. Before, before we go into my my personal uh, empathetic version of what happens in the show, I do also want to talk about like again, just hammering into that future. One of my favorite bits, which actually leads into this episode, um, is like in Tickled Pink, uh, Tickled Pinky is continuously Rocco and his friends are going to like malls or gyms or things, and like that is again, first of all, outside of their his price range is like a continuously running thing. He's always nervous about the biggest and best and newest thing, but it's always presented and it's always frightening and hard to understand. And he can't resist. Yeah. It's all shiny and beautiful. So like one of my favorite outlandish places they wind up is at the jackhammer symposium where they're yes. seeing yes. All the new futuristic jackhammers yes. where you get like hands-on testing and like some of them have three pointy <laughs> things on the end. I don't understand how that's where I work. used to take all my dates in the before time. <laughs> yeah. But all the jackhammer symposiums have been closed. Oh, I want to go. But like, that's, that's this kind of the world that they live in. And it's, it's, always out of reach in certain respects and then he's like saddled with the weight of like his modern life that is now upon him like he'll buy a new washing machine that is so sentient that it breaks apart his house and runs away with his clothing and he's left in the nude and someone yells how dare you and then slaps him across the room (laughs) (laughs) um but they you know and Another thing they touch on, which you guys had mentioned briefly, they go into a lot of, like, you know, you care about his sick dog, and there's times where he's sick. For instance, his appendix starts hurting, which happened to me. And my only, when I showed up at a hospital not not realizing that my appendix had burst, my only real kind of cultural hinge point to understand uh, the way appendixes worked was Rocco's modern life. Um, in which Rocco winds up with a gigantic swollen piece of his side that's red and leaving him in constant pain. But whenever he tries to like speak up a little bit to tell the people around him that he's in pain, for instance, this actually happens when he's at the, the, um, jackhammer symposium and they call an ambulance and the ambulance comes and picks up the jackhammer that had fallen, that he had fallen off of. And takes it away because they're worried about it. So he drags himself uh, alongside his friend Heifer. Or no, Heifer carries him. Yeah. Uh, and they get to the hospital. And the doctors, again, don't register. Like, he, his pain level isn't... He's not able to communicate it very well. I believe they uh, they they get Heifer into care for just being too fat. Isn't that... No, his, yes. Yeah. What happens is is Heifer, Heifer, like, has carried Rocco the whole way. And then he puts Rocco down and he says... Oh, I'm too fat. And then they go, 
quick, we got somebody who's too fat. And then they take him away to the emergency. Um, it's liposuction. not. Yeah. No, wait, but it's not liposuction. Well, it says, says liposuction. liposuction. Later on, he says hipposuction, <laughs> which <laughs> is a good joke. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. But still, yeah, that was that was one of the only things that when I was watching, I was like, don't love that. There are <laughs> a lot of fat jokes. Nothing yeah, strikes not, me that... as like so terrible but more than the appropriate amount <laughs> that was mm -hmm. my least favorite fat joke because sometimes it's like heifer making the fat joke but in this the whole thing being like the institution i mean it is institutional critique in a way but mm -hmm. uh you know not and uh, uh, it rubbed me the wrong i didn't i didn't i didn't love that one so gavin so about your appendix emotional music <laughs> restarts da -da 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 -da. Well, I wanted to know if, like, when you went in to finally get care for yourself, if they made you uh, fill out 800 forms and were just super demeaning to you the entire time. <laughs> um, I was in pain and confused, and then I went under. And that so that, that part of it was, like, I don't I, – I, I think – I went to SF General, and they were actually pretty nice, I think. And, like, I was terrified – Mostly because I don't understand how insurance works. Sure. And I I didn't know if I'd be settled with a bill that I'd never be able to pay uh, my way out of debt. Um, as opposed to the Damn, other Damn, that sounds that like Rocco. <laughs> the other bills that I have that I'm not sure I'll be able to pay my way out of debt. Right. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of me not understanding what was going on. I did fill out paperwork that I didn't understand. Um, what a part The part that I didn't quite relate to, but that is what made this episode kind of comforting to me is Rocco goes under and proceeds to have like a fever dream, basically where he takes his appendix out on one last ride, one last hurrah and starts fulfilling the appendix's dreams because, you know, the appendix has never ridden a roller coaster before. Um, so, but it's not a... quite that simple, is it? <laughs> um, well, you know, if you, if you give a, if you give a mouse a cookie, or if you give an appendix a ride on a roller coaster, uh, it's a slippery slope, and you might wind up, you know, bungee jumping or white water, white water rafting outside of your comfort zone and abilities. There's nothing in the and wild... that says an appendix can't ride a roller coaster, okay? <laughs> and whilst all these, you know, fa fantastic activities are nothing but pure joy for our friend Pinky, the appendix, mm -hmm. for our friend Rocco, he experiences misfortune upon misfortune and pain just true pain when you go bungee jumping his cable breaks yeah yet does the appendix care of man's pain or of wallaby's pain it's a selfish neither man nor wallaby cares appendix <laughs> i'm just saying there's nuance to these characters right because you're made to be uh you know to feel for the appendix and then you right. realize this appendix is kind of a motherfucker well, it's kind of it's 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 taking Rocco down, and if he doesn't, if they don't really separate their relationship, uh, it will literally kill him. Because that's what I found out when I woke up, how close I was to death, which is a how weird thing close to be were with. you? Real close, apparently. Huh. Like close enough that I should not have driven myself to the hospital. Mm. <laughs> wow. Um, when was this? This was a couple years ago. Uh, I had I had no context for because I, I too am bad at communicating pain I guess, um, or understanding it. I just don't know my body that well. You're just too polite, Gavin. 
You but know? my body Gavin's was too polite a... to trouble me as well. <laughs> it didn't <laughs> communicate the pain levels that would be necessary to make me realize that I should go to a hospital. Uh, gotcha. Right. <laughs> there, there are definitely times in our life where we don't know if the pain we experience is the same that other people experience. Yeah. Uh, I no, have... and it's a, it's a very institutional problem uh, also in terms of, uh, you know, if if you're seeing a doctor that maybe can't empathize with you enough, you know, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about racist ass doctors. I, I you know, I we're talking about, we're the... talking about racist ass doctors up in here. Right in this podcast. It's getting white man. <laughs> it's getting political. It's getting political on the pod here. Andrew shouting into his mic. <laughs> Are my levels okay now? <laughs> They're very good. How... They really match your anger and intensity. So it's good. Well, you know, because again, as we were talking about, uh, rec- uh, um, Rocco's Modern Life is a socialist show trying to yes. progress. <laughs> yes. No, it's communist propaganda, baby. No, I don't know. Andrew, <laughs> Andrew is your Do you appendix have any further still on? examples? <laughs> I mean, okay, I love there's the one episode where um, the comic book shop owner leaves for a minute and Rocco mm-hmm. takes over the comic book shop and he hires his friend Philbert to sure. be. Uh, and literally within like 20 seconds of going upstairs and sitting in the office, Rocco is like smoking a cigar and being just... like, more profits! Where are the profits? Fully corrupted by power. <laughs> That's instantly, right. and it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. And even the, in it, the Stanford prison experiment, but uh, with the wallaby uh, upstairs in a, in a comfy executive chair. Yes. <laughs> not, not to minim, not to minimize the Stanford uh, prison experiment. I don't think I don't think he did that. <laughs> no, I think it, it's the, it's the real deal. So earlier earlier this year, I thought my appendix was going to burst. It was mm-hmm. like a couple weeks into COVID. My my original roommate had moved out, so I was actually alone for the month and just tried to figure out what the hell to do uh, as I feel just a pain in my lower right side. Uh, I don't I don't think anything about it uh, for a couple days. And I'm like, well, let's look up what this could be. Oh, shit, that's where your appendix is. Let's mm-hmm. panic. Uh, COVID's been around for two weeks at this point, so a lot of urgent care centers are are not accepting patients. A lot of hospitals are more or less shut down as they figure out this stuff. Um, it ended up not. I'm skipping past part of the story because it's not that interesting. It ended up not being maybe a hernia or something, and then it ended up not being anything because I just took some fiber supplements that a couple days later I was fine and nothing's happened since. <laughs> but uh, I I am terrified after visiting you in the hospital and also my, my dad had his appendix explode when he was much younger. Um, I'm just, I am similarly terrified of having something happen to my appendix and having to go th- through insurance and go through uh, a medical aspect of life that I'm still not fully familiar or prepared for mm-hmm. as a grown ass yeah. man. <laughs> but, all right, so I have two thoughts go through my head when I think, oh, maybe I have appendicitis. The first is, well, this seems like a good time to die. The world's ending. <laughs> I might as well end. <laughs> April 2020. True. The second is, when my dad was in the hospital, for appendicitis that's where he met my mom oh weird 
this is my parents' meat. Cream. Oh, you ready for a love connection? Yeah. <laughs> if I if I knew the story better, I would tell it better. That's my first cabin. He uh, he was he was lying there, and I believe his ma I believe my my mother uh, was on a date to the hospital. Like my dad's friend sure, that's was thing. just like, yeah. "Hey, come hang out. We'll go visit my friends," and they oh. end up getting <laughs> married like a year later. So uh, someone out there is just crushed right now. <laughs> Damn, as a podcast listener, I really think it would be dope if we could cut to an interview of Sage talking to his parents with some kind of like folksy This American Life music underneath. Just saying. Welp, I'm Sage's dad. <laughs> and I'm Sage's mom. That's your Australian accent. Okay, and so, so t- t- tell me about the first time you laid eyes on each other. That's my bad hourglass. Well, anyway, we're gonna cut this too. <laughs> no, let's keep going. <laughs> I, I'm in so much pain. Wait, I want to go back to the to the appendixes though, because I'll say not long ago I watched an appendicitis episode of the television program Lost. Is this a rich genre that I didn't know about? Like I know Madeline apparently is about it as well. I thought the appendix section would come at the end. <laughs> hey! Oh! 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 There we go. Boom! 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 boom. <laughs> um, so much pain. That, that was good. I like. Uh, but you were watching Lost. No, it's just hard to do a good appendix episode like that. You know. <laughs> well, I'm yeah. Just I saying. mean, it's we why, why would why would most people attempt it? Like. <laughs> It's amazing that that episode works as well as it does because it is one that really stuck in my memory because it is so sentimental and sweet for a non-essential organ that if there's a problem with it can kill you. <laughs> yes, I believe uh, he says something like, I'm going to miss being non-essentially attached to your digestive yeah. <laughs> tract or something to that effect. Yeah. It's just like such a great example of like how the writing on Rocco is so like clever and stupid at the same right. time. And it's he regrets letting him go. He starts missing him and he's like, I hope he's going to be okay up there. And you see him with his little angel wings flying. He's like, it's okay. I have new friends. I'm hanging out with your baby teeth and your wisdom teeth. <laughs> yes, and then of course heifer all of heifer's flat fat from his right. hippo suction is flying up in the sky too yeah it wouldn't Jesus be complete without Christ. one last gross up. <laughs> well, yeah, all no, good was, organs go to heaven that is true that was easily my favorite half episode out of everything that you showed me i also really enjoyed and what i think finally got me over the line to enjoy the show is the meta commentary of of Big Head, of Ralph Big Head developing and running a cartoon show within the show. Uh, mm-hmm. My favorite thing is something that's not even said, which is that there are cartoons within this cartoon world. Because I assumed that anything that you're watching in a cartoon is live action. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it never occurred to me that there would be a cartoon inside a cartoon. It's not that advanced of an idea. But like even Itchy and Scratchy I assumed was live action. <laughs> right. And oh, I will say that the big heads, the fat heads is fat heads, uh yes. is absolutely like a dark mirror version of Itchy and Scratchy. Where it's oh, just like yes. it's just like slightly more fucked up. I don't know. They're both fucked up, but just in different ways. Well, one is pure violence, yeah. 
and the other is like pure violence and also emotional abuse y- yeah i mean it's it's like a mirror because again like at its core this show is trying to be based in like kind of people in their relationships with commerce economy and each other and the big heads you know as as a couple are fascinating and what you see is their offspring trying to understand their relationship within the show so you get like i'm sure a caricature of joe murray's like either parents or a couple that he grew up with and then you see a refinement of that into an even more i don't know uh simplified version where it's just a couple that fights all the time and words cause physical obvious pain <laughs> and discomfort yeah no and it and just the yeah the layers of it that the, and does is, ralph is bighead beautiful. want to do this show yeah no i uh, no, well he at first presumably he wants to but then by the end he's sick of it you know he's he has more lofty dreams well and it's that exploration of like art and entertainment and the importance of audience and being kind of true to yourself and kind of chasing what you want to do and Ralph, who, like, we're kind of dead naming based on the, uh, you know, the reboot sequel, if you will. Uh, I believe it's Rachel. But, like, at the time, uh, they were Ralph. And they their uh, lofty dream is to create a still-life statue in the desert, I believe. And they're trying to find a way to leave their extremely financially successful animated TV show uh, to go chase a dream. But they're locked into contracts. And so I want to just provide some biographical data that I acquired from that same old website, wikipedia.org. Oh, um, it um, it's, it's worth a visit. Um, apparently, um, Joe, Joe Murray like never wanted to make an animated show at all. He just like wanted to do comic stuff, but he was like coerced into doing this pitch. And then right before he had to move to L.A. to do the show, his wife committed suicide. Jesus. And so he was like, he was like, basically, you know, like his heart was never in Rocco because he was like, he figured the show was going to get canceled after the first season and he'd come back up to, he lived in San Francisco and Mm -hmm. like go back to his life of doing underground comics. But then they kept on picking it up again. And so the episode that we're um, that we're leading up to talking about, which is called Wacky Deli, yeah. um, is uh, is th- an episode from the final season that he was the showrunner before he handed it over to uh, the guy who made SpongeBob SquarePants, whose name I can't remember. <laughs> um, so season four was a was a different showrunner. Season yeah. four was a different showrunner. Yeah, but so that was one of the last episodes that he uh, directed. Yeah, St- Stephen Hillenberg took over. Yeah. The guy who mm-hmm. created SpongeBob did the last season. Which, which is a show within the show about Ralph Bighead getting Rocco and his friends to basically run the Fatheads, which is, you know... Well, no, they, so the, his contracts, they finally let him off. Right. It's like after he's done the t- 1,000th episode of the Fatheads, the studio says, okay, you're done. And he's like, yay, I get to go do my st- still life sculpture, the biggest still life in the world. And then they say, well, no, didn't you read the fine print of your contract? You have to produce another show for us, another 800 episodes or whatever. And he's like, right. 
And then basically he realizes it's like a producer's like scheme yes. where he realizes, wait, I, I can make the show fail if I put these idiots in charge of it and make the worst show in the world. Mm -hmm. So maybe maybe the show's a little cynical. <laughs> it's very cynical. It's very cynical about like social structures and politics, but it's not cynical about the characters, I think. No, you know, it, it, it is. It's a beautiful balance of like satire and actual character work, too. Yeah. Where it's, and it's interesting. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 please. I was just gonna say it's interesting that like if he's kind of using a cipher for himself there and airing his own frustrations, he kind of paints himself as a villain. Uh, yes, which Ralph is, the... is not the most like like when you first meet them, and in the episode I have no son, where it's more about the big heads coming around to accept that their child isn't gonna step into conglomo, they're going to go create their art and yeah. that's going to be a passion for them that they wind up accepting that that like and part of it is that the acceptance comes with like can i see your bank account all right yeah, son right. i love you all right right yes well <laughs> yes okay. it's your so value, good value to me son yeah yeah <laughs> um, it's so good oh my but the God. sequel is is less about that and it's you know it's about the dissatisfaction the, the dissatisf dissatisfaction anthropomorphized <laughs> With um, with like succeeding in art, but like not being able to stretch, I guess. Like he gets trapped in this cycle of creating this show that's kind of one note in a certain respect, and not being able to chase your dreams, even when you seem to have succeeded. Well, and but the beautiful thing about the Netflix special is it almost it takes it to another level because mm -hmm. okay, assuming because end the show. In the Wacky Deli episode, where which I just want to go back to that for just one second because I love that episode so much, and the fact that that um, Ralph, um, Rachel, Big Head, yeah. um, is like you should do an episode that's just a still image of a can <laughs> of mayonnaise, and they do it, and then it's like it holds on it for like ten seconds, and then it's yeah. like it's like avant-garde mayo thing like is like the warhol toast of the town yeah yes the andy, warhol. andy warhol tribute yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like it's so good it's so good i love it so much and then finally you know rocco's like geez well maybe if you have all this success maybe you should not try to sabotage the show and have it end but this is this is an opportunity an opportunity for you to be creative and to and to achieve your dreams you know and then, like, he's like, yes, I'm going to make the best episode ever. And they play, like, one second of it, and it's, like, immediately canceled. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so uh. – and so I feel like that's all uh, – but the – the um, then they flash forward to, like, ten years later or something. And, and he's in the middle of the desert building the still life sculpture, you know, and he finally finishes it. And he's like, yes, it's complete. Um and then somebody comes along and like shits on it, um, and it's like, this is oh, pretty good. What, dude? Are you? This is, this is pretty good. Yeah, I, I like the sculpture. Um, you know, are you a fan of the Fatheads? <laughs> 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 yes, exactly. But in but in the Netflix revival reboot, which we should just say is like about Rocco has been Rocco and his two best friends have been floating around the Earth for twenty years. Mm -hmm. And then they finally find the button that they press to come back to Earth. 
and then they're devastated to find out that their favorite cartoon, The Fat Heads, is no longer on the air. And so they set off on a mission to, like, bring it back. Um, Man, I really wish they landed in 2020. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, in coronavirus. Well, it's already, like, time for them to do another special, I think. You know, the world's changed because this was 2019 and I'm already like, I mean, there's a lot of like jokes about the financial crisis and stuff well, it's, it's where Mr. Big Head says, to I'm too big to fail. Yeah, it's supposed to come out several years earlier. Like this is a special that's shelved. So it's already kind of out of time. Yeah. Oh, is that true? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, I would argue like I want to let you, you know, talk about the episode a little bit more because we haven't actually talked about the plot of it. And it is only 45 minutes. So it's still... You know, maybe a double episode. It's not like an hour it's a thirty or anything. Special. It's not a movie. Yeah. Um, but one of my biggest complaints, because I really was excited for Rocco to come back when it did, and it's it's an interesting thing because the whole running point of this movie or this special, I'm gonna keep calling it a movie on accident, but is that change isn't isn't necessarily bad or good, but like accepting it. And making making the best of it and allowing it to inspire and create like a better current. I don't know how to better say that, but like it's for a show that's about that, it's trying to also make fun of where they're at, where we're at in life with like selfies and scooters and likes and Instagram. It's really trying to hammer on that and then also say this is all not bad but like we're still making cheap jokes about it. I think, I mean, you get to do both though. Say, say again. I think you get to do both. It's like I... they make all the cheap jokes, but then at the end, Rocco, Rocco, who's the one who can't accept that change. He can't accept the, he can't right. accept, um, you know, he looks at Heifer Which... and Filbert and they're yeah. like smiling. This is not phones, the fat heads. Taking pictures <laughs> of him. And he says, yeah. oh, okay. Like change, I guess change isn't that bad, <laughs> right? Well, that that, that is a, that is a moment that like that is strong for that for that episode where where he says this is not the fatheads. The fatheads do not have children. The fatheads, you know, like accepting it's it's the and it's the trappings that the show itself is obviously going to fall into is like you can't just make the same golden period show again. It's gonna be different. It's going to be made with like, you know, probably more modern technology because they can't go in and hand draw the, this the same way they used to. It would just be insanely expensive. Yeah. And, you know, the jokes are going to be about a time that is different than it was being made in the 90s because the but world I, has changed. I do love they have the lizards guy when they when they when the, the gecko he, brothers. He, yeah, they're going to bring no. back, the, yeah. you know, he, he's going to bring back the show in order to save the town's economy. And right. <laughs> and but they can't find they can't find Ralph Bighead because Ralph Bighead is not Ralph Bighead anymore, um, and so they're like, oh, we're gonna give it over to the geckos. Like they have great computers, and they're like, yeah, great computers, yeah. We just make animation with computer. It's so easy, <laughs> right? And yeah, it is like cheap jokes because I know and I'm sure computer animators are like, it's also hard to do. I mean, I I do all yeah, this yeah. computer work too. So, but but it's funny. <laughs> it's like somebody walks in and he's like, "Don't you need pencils to do this?" They're like, "No." To me, the the way that this special just didn't quite work for me 
and I mean, again, like I'm falling into the trappings that the show's already called out. <laughs> uh, you know, it, Rocco is literally yelling at me. It's okay for a show to change. You can't just have the same show over again. Um, but there's like something about the way that the world back in like the original four seasons is excessive in like a strange world in a strange way that like kind of seemed silly back then. But now they're trying to present us with the fact that our world has become excessive. And that's much like we live in it. Like we kind of get think it. They were already saying that the, the world was already excessive back then. Sure. You know, I just think they're doing the, they're doing the same thing. Honestly. Yeah. There's a, just a difference between riding like a, a jackhammer with like five zeros after whatever number it, edition it is. And then you get like a belt on your head that has a cell phone extender. Right. One one is a lot more beautiful and like wonderful, even if it is stupid and capitalism. I do think the them on the drone, like and when they're going around looking yeah. for uh for mm -hmm. Ralph, they're like on the drone with a couch attached to it. Um I, I kinda <laughs> like that one. And I do like the VR, um, where Heifer's like in the background doing a VR thing, like tripping. My out. reality is virtual. Yes, exactly. I mean, all the jokes are like terrible dad jokes, but they know they're yeah. terrible dad jokes. And it feels like them being like, I'm old. What's a cell phone? Because that's what the characters are doing. And it's like, yeah. and that's what makes it work. Like, I, it could totally not work. And I like, I hear what you're saying. But for me, it was like totally motivated by character and like, mm -hmm. and builds up beautifully for this coinciding climax where, because we, we've alluded to the plot line of, yes, when they find ralph big head ralph big head it's no longer ralph big head ralph big head mm -hmm. is rachel big head um yes. and there's this moment where she says like i'm rachel big head and and all three of them the main friends rocco heifer and filbert are silent for like three seconds and they're like that's fucking dope they don't say fuck but they're like that's so cool wow that's awesome like nice to meet you rachel you know um and it's and it's like very sweet um and very nice and then you know but of course rachel's rachel's dad has to say the classic i have no daughter um which is a callback to the first episode in which we meet uh at the time ralph and he says i have no son uh which is also the title of the two-parter uh episode that we yeah. introduced this person in sorry continue wait when was this <laughs> Thanks, made yeah, though was... now i want to know because because it, it seemed very 2019 to me but if this was made years before it's like whoa way ahead of its time i think well, well that's years. where i think that this show would have worked better if it had come out when it was made because it was shelved during that animation deal same with like a lot of the net the nickelodeon the nickelodeon specials that were made for netflix which was this was part of that hey arnold had a movie that was also had been planned for years and didn't come out and Invader Zim also had an episode uh, special come out. Um, but yeah, I believe it was shelved for like two years. And that's kind of like if it had come out when it was made, it would have felt more current to me. Because part of it was that those jokes had already been made. Yeah, and you, you could think about how much has changed. If, if the show was supposed to come out in 2017, it was probably written and animation developed, you know, summer of 2016 right and like as much change between 2016 and 2017 is maybe like 2001 and 2002 like it's a different world for america totally but that's why the show like, takes I'm, place. Like, I'm like all we need is a new another episode 
A news, another special. And we need it I mean, right fucking now. <laughs> I'm dying I, for I it have, now. I would, of course, taste, take that. The Rocco uh, Coronavirus Andrews. Donald Trump special? Come on, let's do it. Pitch, pitch it. pitch it to us, Andrew. What does it look like? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. Is Mr. Does Mr. Big Head become, do a, have a Trump thing? No, that's too... That's too uh, Let's see. There, there's definitely I mean, a coronavirus. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, there's Mister What's His Face too, who is Mister Big Head's boss, with the who already has blonde hair and picks his nose all the time. Oh, right. he's the perfect Trump. Yes, yes, yes. If he becomes a demagogue, I think it's really. I think because Rocco's always been anti-capitalist, um, mm-hmm. and they even explicitly have uh, like one of the guys yells in the this is the root of capitalist redundancy which is just very funny <laughs> uh little aside but i think this is the it's time for antifa rocco i think where rocco actually starts to understand the trappings that he's been falling into his entire life and how maybe you know maybe i don't want to say it's not his fault that he's part of a capitalist system that has been continuously taking advantage of him and keeping him on the uh, doors of uh, bankruptcy and homelessness, but like that maybe there's something he can do about it. Yeah, totally. Rocco's going <laughs> to organize. I mean, I'm here for it. That'd be great. I want him to come back <laughs> from space and land directly in the Portland riots and just try to assess out what's ha- what he's missed. <laughs> yes. See, if Rocco was in the autonomous zone, like, oh, I would kill to watch a Rocco in the autonomous zone. Like, and all cops are bad. There's, there's yeah. no, there's no good cop representation in Rocco. That is true. Yeah, because this show, I can think of. Rocco has absolutely zero respect for any kind of authority. You know, um, and that's one of the things that I love about it. <laughs> But he, it, the show is full of people trying to sell Rocco things. You know, even the news people that they do have in the show are the, the, the rapid speech patterns that they have are very similar to the abundance of salesmen that litter that show as well. Totally. Because so much of that show is people just speaking very fast with authority while handing Rocco paper to sign. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I love I I love the lounge singer episode where Filbert yeah. um starts to get addicted to these motivational tapes, you know, mm-hmm. so he can go out and perform and Which do are the lounge singing. Geconetics. Geconetics. <laughs> and if he doesn't have his geconetics, he thinks he can't perform. And it's literally yeah. like his cocaine that he has backstage and he's like, No, if I don't have it, I can't perform. Um and he's like addicted to it. Um and it's it's just fantastic. There's several bits in that show that I do love that are very Rocco or in that episode where like as he listens to it, the instructions from the from Gecko are like uh, visualize your stage fear just flowing from you. Feel it draining your body. And then like visually you see him actually leaking fluids all over the floor <laughs> and he as he walks on stage, leaving it behind. And then a, a janitor walks up and says, oh, God, who let out all this sta- stage fear all over the floor? Yes, yes. No, that's so great. And who spilled all this stage fright? Yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, and then he's given the, the recurring advice of just picture the audience naked. And then he finally walks out for his big final number. And it works. He can actually picture the audience naked. Um, and he starts to sing. And it's great. And we pull back to reveal that he is singing to a nudist club. 
Yes. Uh, unbe- unbeknownst to him, <laughs> that he is actually singing to a, a naked audience, and that's why it's working. Oh, it's so good. Such a, I, that's one that I remember watching like first time when I was a kid. Yeah, that song is still kind of forever stuck in my head. I'm also uh, I, I I love Frank Sinatra quite a bit. Do so it, do it, sing it. Me. <laughs> Just Can I it, hear your yeah, Australian oh, Frank Sinatra? That is that is too two impressions too many okay. for me. <laughs> Come crawl with me like a turtle out to the bay. Uh, yeah, it's oh, yes. It's yeah, and and then what's great too is like you do get a lot of these episodes that aren't just Rocco. You go, you do get Filbert's journey into self confidence. You get Heifer's journey into like even though he's very comfortable with who he is, there's aspects he doesn't understand. Where like you get to explore his family that he was adopted, and he gets to understand that. Um, you get you know Ed Bighead struggling at work after you know years of success like he can't handle the fact that he's fallible and it's it's just like these running things i i don't know i i I find the show deeply empathetic and its ability to explore uh the beautiful like day-to-day life and make it interesting beautiful fascinating and strange while relatable at the same time really gets to me so if you if you had to put your uh your feelings on some sort of arbitrary scale or judgment system Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What 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 might that look like? Are you asking me if Rocco's modern life is still good, and or two other things? <laughs> uh, is it better yeah. as a memory? Uh, is it better a memory, or should we drag should we it out? Flush back, the neighborhood uh, down into the earth. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Should we flush it with the rest of uh, O Town down into the sewers and never speak of it again? Um, wasn't there a band called O Town? Am I making that up? <laughs> yes. I believe they 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 come into the Clone High episode. Uh, Ashley, something. Oh, that's right. All right. His, his, Crossover. His, his hair. His lack of eyebrows. Um, but but to get back to Rocco, Rocco rides a kind of fine line for me, where like it was such a big like kind of infallible part of my childhood because, you know, I can still picture the shirt that he wears, the blue shirt with like purple triangles, as such like a piece of like fashion icon to me that like is more 90s than things that you know were actual fabric in the 90s the just the the visual palette of the world is so gorgeous and the way that they do are able to humanize and populate it with like fascinating if like bit characters um so to me this is one of the more borderline still good better as a memory things because my memories are just so fond of it and I personally didn't love the reboot when I saw it. And it kind of, though it works and succeeds in a lot of ways, it kind of points out to me, I don't know, some like kind of, it hammers home the fact that like I'm different than I was when I watched Rocco, I guess. And so it's kind of strange to look at it as a memory because it is a memory. That makes very little sense, but uh, I hope Damn, <laughs> dude. the emotional core of it comes across. Um, I learned something today. <laughs> no, but it's so funny because I don't think that I've grown or changed at all since I was a child because to me, it, <laughs> fair, I, fair. I watch that shit and I'm like the same ass kid. I just, just like rewatching these old episodes like, damn, look at those nipples. You know, <laughs> I just like went fully back. They're really, really big nipples. Look at those yeah. butts. Oh. On a really, really big man. No, totally. And I just like, <laughs> I just was like, fuck yeah. Like I'm going to keep on watching um, after, now we've recorded the podcast but my walk of viewing will definitely continue 
Um, Because I just like love going back to this world so much. And and I think the the reboot I I loved the reboot um, and I loved watching the reboot again uh, earlier today. Um, I I think it super holds up, um, and I think it's you know um, like I think I was like damn yeah if this shit was made in 2016 that's some like good ass politics that's some good ass politics yeah it's it's a wise show i'm i mean i mean i'm just kind of on the more on the border than like i feel like because it is a show that is reaching in a really beautiful way and trying to communicate something i'd probably still fall on the still good side of things but i could see where it was just such a big part as a memory and it's something i hadn't revisited in so long and i i didn't rewatch the whole show uh for this but like what i saw i loved and i don't yeah sorry i'm talking too much but it's still good. I, I I really like it. It's worth watching. I went on a journey with this one because when I started watching the show and I put in some random episodes when the Nick Hits trial that we had did not have like any of the episodes that you guys recommended me, um, <laughs> I did not care for what I saw for some random episodes. For the first one, which would normally be a pilot, but there's really no such thing as a pilot in this show. That was just the first where a bunch of stuff started happening. Uh, did not care for it. Went through several episodes. Did not care for them. Uh, went through some of the episodes you recommended. Did not care for half of the episode. Loved the other half. So I went from, oh, this show is garbage, to, okay, I understand why they like this show, and I understand why it's better than a lot of stuff from the 90s, but it still doesn't work for me. And I got to the appendix episode. And I got to the uh, the meta-commentary of, like, a cartoonist falling out of love with their work. Uh, and... I just barely hit the point where I think it's still good. But I want to stress, it is not all still good. There is stuff in this show that is annoying, and there are ten minutes that you might just want back. So something that I've mentioned on this podcast before. In uh, film school, I had a professor who described a great movie as three great scenes and no bad ones. And I don't know if I'm ever going to get through an animated comedy without a moment I don't hate. Even my absolute favorite, Rick, Rick and Morty, Robot Chicken, there's almost always going to be a moment where it's just, fuck you, that joke wasn't for me. So I don't know if I can really apply that system onto an animated comedy, whether it's from 1992 or whether it's from 2017. Yeah, I mean, I think with the, these kinds of, like, rapid-fire shows where there's, like, so many mm-hmm. jokes, like, especially something like Robot Chicken or even, like, thinking about, like, Airplane or something like that, where you're going to have, <laughs> like, if you're going to throw, like, 700 jokes a minute at me, like, some of them are going to be bad, and that's okay. Like, I'm just in it right. for the cadence. Like, I don't need every joke to hit um, as long as I'm still, like, riding that wave. Some of the jokes end up like turning me off and grossing me out, though. <laughs> oh, I see. Like, wait, what? Yeah. What like grossed you out in Rocco's modern in Rocco. life? Yeah, like you miss. Um. All right. Well, I can go through like pipe dream where there's some toilet humor that I don't care for. There's uh, when uh, at the end of uh, tickling Pinky, you know his his fat flies away as an organ with like a deep voice that doesn't work for me at all i just find that gross and not funny <laughs> and it actually undercuts the like sweet thing where where the uh 
uh, where the appendix shows up with an evil mask is like, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm just hanging out here with your tonsils and your baby teeth. And they all show up and they're like, what up? Uh... That's funny. And then I, you know, the last thing in the episode is a kind of gross joke that is a turnoff for me. Gotcha. Well, yeah, yeah. Gavin knows that I like to dive deep in the trenches. You know, I like to I like to put the camera a little close sometimes to the things, make them look all juicy. That is, that is true. We we did film some gross ups uh, <laughs> for some projects we've done together. One of a few times where like I I'm I'm still working on getting to the point where uh, sometimes I need some encouragement. It's like no, go in deeper. Deeper, deeper, deeper. deeper. <laughs> um, so I love, I love all that shit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there is a point for me where I'm like too much, but Rocco doesn't even get close to it. For me. <laughs> Does Ren and Stimpy reach that point for you? Yeah, maybe. It's been a long time since I've watched it. I can't think of a Ren yeah. and Stimpy moment that I'm actually like that. I, but you know, but maybe if I watch now, I'm, now I'm in my thirties, so maybe I'll be older and wiser and be like, oh, this. More, I care not for the for the humor. Was that of disappointed grossness. Dracula? Is that who I'm? Yeah. Can I hear uh, Australian was like, Dracula? Uh, or- Orson Welles <laughs> about to sell you some Paul Masson. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now, Andrew, have you uh. seen any of HBO's updated Looney Tunes? No, I haven't. I haven't. Should I? I mean, I think it it takes a lot from Brendan Stimpy. Is kind of my understanding. I mean, I'm kind of maybe this should be gavin's section because you already explained it to me when we watched some of them it's like oh there are gross-ups there are it is yeah it's it is involving a lot more body humor than older looney tunes i don't know if you can put that better no i mean it's been a minute since i've seen them but yeah i I remember them there's also like the elements of a lot of people working in animation currently like there is that whole school that we're still coming out of like um you know that creative arts building where all the pixar people come from and there's also you know uh joe murray was from a class actually went to college in san francisco like uh andrew said but a lot of people are coming from internet flash uh cartoons albino black sheep new grounds um, new grounds and there's elements of that which was very much pulling from you know the strangeness of growing up on uh ren and stimpy pretty explicitly and just the the like rhythm with which the humor is delivered is pretty different and that the new looney tune stuff to me has some of that where it's kind of stilted in a certain manner and has those gross-ups and yeah i i think it's it's pretty fun they're definitely entertaining and worth watching if if you feel like watching some more looney tunes that are a little bit more modern they look a little they look a little like Flash animated, which isn't a compliment in my mind. <laughs> they're they're but... crisper and like that sometimes to its detriment. I w- I will say the new Rocco lo- looks exactly like the old Rocco. Like I could not tell the you know what I mean. Like you pull a random frame, and aside from like having cell phones and shit, I could not tell the difference. Yeah, they really kept the they kept the look for the most part. I thought the lines looked a little finer. Because I was really trying to pick apart really, really big man's pecs because uh, he kind of opens up the, the, the special. And I was really just admiring and trying to break apart those pecs and like understand exactly where those lines were curving. And, you know, let me understand where those nips were. <laughs> um, uh, sorry. Um, Let's not even get into the butts. <laughs> uh, 90 minute call. No, back. let's go into the butt. 
but yeah, no, it looks great. And like the way that they're still able to, um, again, like I, I, I know we've harped on it a bit, but like the way that the world is designed, the architecture, how there's no, the world just kind of breathes. It's like not even like filmed through a strange lens because that's not the way that this, the show comes off. The world is just bizarre. Yes. Yes. No, Ren and Stimpy feels like it has the wide angle lens kind of feel yeah. like that kind of distortion and Rocco it's just like the thing is distorted yeah the world is distorted exactly so my recommendation for uh fans of Rocco is gonna be that new Looney Tunes uh, I hope they keep going with it it is something that almost entirely works for me although even the best mm -hmm. moments I don't enjoy as as much as the best moments of Rocco in my mind uh but it's it's got potential it still f feels like Looney Tunes and I don't know there's no guns in it. That's just the thing. They made Looney Tunes without okay, guns. Okay. I do, I'm not going one way or the other with Oh, that. yeah. I guess Looney Tunes did have a bunch of guns. I guess that's what you... I, I was trying to picture what that meant. So I'm like, did Rocco's have a lot of... Rocco's Modern Life had a lot of guns? No, Looney Tunes. <laughs> but, like, there are <laughs> Elmer Fudd episodes <laughs> where Elmer Fudd doesn't pull out a gun. I'm like, I understand why they're doing this, but, like, it's weird. It's mm. I kill the fucking rabbits yeah. with knives! Is Marvin the Martian not I use throwing knives! <laughs> yeah. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the UK, they weren't allowed to have nunchucks or be ninjas because the British were so terrified of the ninjas that they were, like, outlawed. So they're just uh -huh. the Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Oh, and they weird. literally cut out every reference to ninjadom and cut out all of the shots of the nunchucks. Isn't that wild? That's wild. Yeah. The Ninja Turtles, like, it's interesting because that's one of those shows that's been, like, rebooted in so many various ways and directions um that i i happened upon a version where they actually uh have giant mechs <laughs> like um, a recent version yeah i think it was japanese and like they have giant mechs it's like voltron but with the ninja turtles which i mean yeah, why not i'm in sure <laughs> why why turtles can be robots too <laughs> hell um, yeah but yeah, and I, I wanted to, if, if I was going to recommend something, I would still go back to that era of like, this would be following Rocco, but another creator who used a lens to look at our modern world and point out like how strange and beautiful and disgusting it can be is uh, Invader Zim was really fun. Uh, and it's taking an alien who is... He's part of this planet of aliens that are spreading out to conquer the galaxy. Uh, but they don't really like him. So they've kind of given him a mission that's really far away from the rest of them in the hopes that he won't come back. And he winds up on Earth preparing it to be taken over. Um, and his disguise is that he has robot parents. And he goes to, I believe, middle school. And one of his classmates is like a sci-fi nerd who has figured out and is fairly certain that he's an alien and is just trying to prove it to the rest of the planet so they can stop the in, in incoming invasion. Um, and he kind of fulfills like this role where he is both an invader with highly superior technology, but also a buffoon who can't do anything right. And he's continuously disgusted and frightened by the outside world that he's setting out to conquer. And it's just a really fun lens to look at the world through. It's a good time. Am Andrew, I supposed to have a recommendation? Oh, it, it, you know, yeah. Come. No, I have two. I have two. Can I do two? 
I'll be I quick suppose. with both of them. We'll, we'll let um, it slide this time. Well, I didn't know. I didn't prepare anything in advance. <laughs> well, clearly you have um, two, so. <laughs> so that's why I get a double one because I need to. I would have spent this time beforehand deciding. No. So first one. Neither of these are animation. One is um, Putney Swope, uh, which is mm-hmm. a film that's directed by Robert Downey Sr. Um, oh. And it's in. It's from the late '60s, and it's about. Um, Basically, the head of an advertising firm on Madison Avenue dies, and they have to figure out who's going to take over for him. And so the whole board is voting, and they decide they all get to put in a vote. You're not allowed to vote for yourself. And so everybody ends up voting for the janitor. So this entirely (laughs) white um, advertising firm suddenly has a black CEO. Um, who's like any he, and he's like going to change the advertising world because he has the revolutionary agenda and it's fantastic and i think it really like the, some of the some of the rocco social commentary some of the rocco like bizarre random kind of like uh aesthetic stuff fits in there and i just think it's a it's a it's a beautiful revolutionary satire it's really fun it's under 90 minutes um so that's a great film. And then um, as a counterpoint to that, um, I'm going to say Jacques Tati has a film called Playtime, which is just mm-hmm. beautiful physical humor and spaces. It creates this, these amazing architectural spaces that you like live in as things unfold in them. Um, and it's just like really delightful but it's also like if you're interested in urbanism if you're interested in design if you're just uh, a city person like you'll get a kick out of it i think and these are both on nick hits (laughs) yeah Uh, (laughs) they're both from yeah they're both nope i don't know maybe criterion (laughs) i i know criterion has editions of them Um, yeah playtime i think i went and saw playtime with you in theaters just go on the pirate bay (laughs) go on the pirate bay.com get a vpn and steal it i'm encouraging i'm endorsing stealing films on this podcast this is not the the The, views of this podcast oh now you're gonna cut this now you're gonna cut this Uh, Look, steal the movies it's not that hard to make movies you just you just film stuff they don't deserve all that money so Putney, Putney Swope's one that's always been recommended to me, but I've never actually heard it uh, pitched, basically. I've never really known what it was about, and the words Putney Swope together mean nothing to me. No. Yeah. So it's, it sounds fascinating. Putney Swope is the, name, sounds... is the name of the guy who takes over. Yeah. And then he just makes these amazing ads. Um, it sounds really fun. That, oh, it's so fun. Playtime, I, I saw with you, and I saw it on a big screen, and I'm glad I did because it's such an expansive kind of wide film that like does play with architecture and people's places in it. And it's again, playing with that modernity and how like certain things don't quite make sense past a certain point. It's like the idea of like a computer getting so big that it becomes cumbersome or like doors just not working the right way for people. And the idea of like design just failing. Yeah. He's uh, like making fun of architects, which is like a very, um like just kind of esoteric thing for like a slapstick comedy to do you know it's a good Um, time yeah yeah before we say our goodbyes there is one thing that's been nagging on me that we have not talked about with rocco i hate this theme song it doesn't do anything yeah because you hate good art this man hates art (laughs) 
Um, I don't know. It's the B-52s, man. That's all I have to say to defend it. Like, it's literally, you hate the B-52s. Like, you hate Rock Clobster? It does make me wonder if if I didn't grow up with the B-52s, if I would hate that style of, here are some things that are happening, and they're surreal, and we are just going to say them to half a beat. Maybe I do hate the B-52s. I'm going to revisit this. A Rock Clobster! But, like... I don't know if I would like them if I was hearing them for the first time now. I, Damn. I really like the theme. I'm not sure how much of it is, you know, growing up with it and feeling like a warm blanket. But, like, you know, it's it's supporting the Skipped image. Skipped it every like, time. It's not, a really, it's not a song on its own right. Like, it is, it is, like, a musical emphasis to show him running through life and getting to a point where he's crashing into the real world. Because to describe the theme really quick, it opens up with him in his mama's pouch. He I'm gonna loop out. it under this. <laughs> and he goes he goes to uh, you know, he goes to school and then he's shot out of a cannon or something and crashes past a sign that says the real world. And you know, he's just an unprepared wallaby in a modern you know, landscape. Aren't the- we all <laughs> we're all, we are all Rocco Um and to me, like, it's just a fun tune that supports that. And there's, like, a bunch of fun call-outs. Call Rocco's Modern Life. Rocco's Modern Life. Modern Life. said all of the lyrics in what? the song. Yeah, but you don't need more lyrics. Oh, I would that. argue like, you it's need just a And it's got a nice organ. I think the tune would have been better yeah. without them just saying the title of the show. It's past, like it's an instrument. They're it's using, an you know, much like, much like Kanye you have West the, you have, have the such success theme. with later. See, the closing theme was made for people like you. I have no <laughs> no comment about that. I don't I don't remember it. Alright. Yeah, to me they're both just such like kinda warm blankets of like they just fit the piece and uh I couldn't think of anything more to ask of them. I li- great. I literally was when te- when Sage texted earlier today that he didn't like the Rockless Modern Life theme song. I was like in a video call with somebody doing <laughs> professional work, and I had a horrified look on my face, and they were like, "What?" And I was like, "I just received a very disturbing text message," um, and she was like, "What did it say?" And I said, "It says I, I hate the Rockless Modern Life theme song." And and then and what happened fired. was she's she started singing Rocco's Modern, Modern Life. Life, and then the, it, we just like Modern did Life. did that for a little bit, um, and I was like, <laughs> and he okay. got a promotion, he got and I got a, capital. <laughs> now I'm the CEO of Conglomo Corp. <laughs> yeah, your hair plugs are growing rapidly. Uh... <laughs> Andrew, where can we find more of Conglomo on the internet? <laughs> Oh, well, I work on a podcast called Benjamin Walker's Theory of Everything, uh, to which I sometimes lend my voice. Um, you know, you can find that wherever podcasts are sold, on on Spotify, probably. Um, on, you know, it's a Radiotopia <laughs> show. You know, that's a podcast network. Um, and, yeah, other than that, you know, that that's it. That's, that's the main <laughs> thing I'm going to that, say. That's it. <laughs> I could say other things, but I'm going to keep it short, keep it simple, reduce the amount of editing. Keep you it know, A nice, concise podcast. Okay, so if you <laughs> want to find me, go you search Callaway Things. That's C-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y-T-H-I-N-G-S. 
like the things, you know, and then it's that.com, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that on Twitter, that on Instagram. I'm thinking about ticking the talk, you know, and thinking about TikTok and because it looks fun. It looks uh, fun. I see the kids dancing. Callaway. I want to, I want to dance on video. Talking. Yeah, you could do anyway. that. <laughs> Nothing is stopping you. Well, you can find me at Gavin V. Murray uh, on most things and places. Um, but, you know, most of them I, I wouldn't really recommend. Instagram's fine, but whatever. <laughs> Gavin's got a great Facebook. I am I am all, only on TikTok, but you got to work for it. Uh, you can find me at Hold for Plane on various things. And uh, you can find us at Still Good Pod. That's probably the best way to get a hold of us, DMing us there. Uh, we do have a website now. It's currently just the backlog of episodes, but who knows what the future holds. And that's stillgoodpod.com. I'm upset that we went through this whole thing and I didn't say Rocco's postmodern life once. Um, but anyway. Andrew can oh, edit it back I in. want us to say, yeah, we're going <laughs> to edit that back in. Wait, did you cut? No. No. No, okay. Because I just need to say that my dog, I had a dachshund when I was a kid and we named it Rocco after the wallaby. But he turned out to be exactly like Stimpy. Uh, not Stimpy, <laughs> um, Spunky, which is Rocco's like oh. insanely adorable dog. Um, who's just like he's just the dumbest creature on earth, and mm-hmm. he's in love mm-hmm. with mops. And he and when he's in the two thousands version, he's like watching YouTube videos like ten hours of mops, which I think is hilarious. It's so cute. But anyway, that's how much I loved this show. That's how formative it was to me that I was like, if I have a puppy, I want to name him Rocco. And I think this show does have some good lessons for children. Like, it's okay to be a stinky weirdo. It's okay if, you know, you don't necessarily want to obtain power. Maybe power is not the best goal to have. Um, And, you know, just like do your weird thing. If an adult man offers to put his nipples on your body, you should say yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a good ending. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna cut that out. Rocco's modern life. Rocco's modern life.